Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello, everybody. I feel like we're kicking off the season a lot with um, some of the people we work with. I know. Right? <laughs> it's like a who's who of people who help the good partnership thrive. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, like obviously experts in their field and, and people whose knowledge is, is translatable between, you know, what we do and, and what you do. Absolutely. We only bring you the best. And today's best is Laura Beauparlant from Lab Creative. And Laura helped us define and design the brand for the good partnership after a couple years of us sort of um, just budget, you know, in bootstrap, our own graphic design, especially our logo was basically a non logo. It was like something we had a student put together and it worked, it looked okay. Um, But at a certain point, we needed to grow up or as they say now, glow up. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, that would be a fun challenge. Your your brand glow up. Oh my goodness. If you have a brand glow up, Send it to us. We'd yeah. love to see that. I feel way cooler than I actually am just for using that term. <laughs> Maybe that's not cool. <laughs> really in that way. No, <laughs> no. Like the the work that that Laura did on our work on our brand was really uh, was really great. In fact, um, someone pointed out to me the other day that um, that they really liked our logo and that. Um, it reminded them of like the Batman like crest mm. that would like shine in the sky and like this like super superhero like we need your help and I was like oh my gosh totally unintended but so wonderful that that comes yeah. across through as part of our brand personality I love that and we'll share that with Laura because that that makes my heart sing right that's why we invested in in hiring someone to do it properly because we want to be that uh, symbol for people. And what I love about this conversation with Laura is um, so often we focus our brand on the actual, you know, logo and colors and fonts. But the way she describes it, you'll hear in the interview, is that your brand is a cake, hopefully a beautiful, delicious cake, but it can't just be beautiful. It has to be delicious too. And how do you make it delicious? You have to have the right ingredients and bake it properly. And so your logo itself and your colors and all that, that is the end of a much deeper process that helps you dive into who you are as a company or organization, who you serve, and really what experience you want people to have of your work. Mm -hmm. And she talks a lot about that in this interview. Definitely. And so like... More than, you know, as you mentioned, Cindy, more than a logo, you know, your brand is the, the kind of language that you use, the, um, uh, the colors and the templates, the, um, the kinds of, uh, of pictures that you uh, use to highlight your work, the kind of stories that you tell, like all of that constitutes uh, part of that, uh, that brand personality. Um, might be a, it's a fun exercise to think about brand personalities. Like if you think of some of the well-known brands in in your neighborhood or in your community, like what what do they convey to you? Um, and uh, and maybe you just start there as an exercise and yeah. sort of getting accustomed to the idea of assigning um, personality to something that feels like mm, it's static, it's mm-hmm. not human, but yeah. in fact these things do have personality. Totally. And what I love about Laura is she won't even design your logo unless you go through the work of her brand camp mm-hmm. um, because you have to have that groundwork before you even look at the design aspects. So 
she's got lots of great resources on our website if you want to learn more um, about, and she's a book um, called Brand Chemistry. Uh, Laura is an award-winning international keynote speaker, an expert on branding and design, and the author of Brand Chemistry. As the founder and creative director of Lab Creative, her mission is to help ambitious entrepreneurs create strong, memorable brands that consistently attract their ideal clients. For over 15 years, Laura has helped countless small business owners and entrepreneurs gain confidence and grow their business through unforgettable branding. Here's Laura. Laura, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Cindy. Really happy to be here with you today. I'm so happy to have you on. Now, you and I have known each other for a little while, and you are the person we hired to help rebrand The Good Partnership, our company. And I thought it would be such a great opportunity to have you speak to our listeners about branding and really the essence of branding. I think a lot of people miss uh, or they kind of think, oh, branding is logo. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about some of the most common misconceptions that you hear from people as they start their branding journey? It's such a great question. And I feel like if I could dispel the myths, you know, my, I would feel like my job here is done. A lot of people do come to me and they say, oh, I need a new logo or I need a new website, or they'll say I need a rebrand, but they think a new logo and a new website and so on. But the reality is that your logo and your website and marketing materials are really only one aspect So I like to use the analogy that, um, so I want you to imagine that your brand is a cake, you know, beautifully decorated cake and your logo and website and all the visual things people see, that's the icing and the sprinkles, right? That's what makes the cake look good and look enticing. But it's when you cut into the cake that you see the layers and you see all of the things that went into it to give it substance, Right. Then you have to go even deeper and go, okay, well, what were the ingredients to make that cake? The eggs and the flour and the sugar and all of the things that had to be put together in the right proportions and the right order in order to create this delicious, fluffy cake that not just looks good, but also tastes and smells amazing. Right. So if you think about your brand, your brand is all of those things that people don't necessarily see. And then the visual, the logo and the website, they're the visual, they're the, the icing, right? As I said, but if you're, you had a cake only that there was only icing and sprinkles, that wouldn't taste good. That wouldn't be appealing. So if you think about it, it's really important to have those elements. You need for your brand to look good. You need your brand to look like it reflects you. But if you don't have the substance underneath it, holding up the icing and sprinkles, then you'll lack that ability. So any business can put themselves out there and have an amazing logo and website. But if they're missing the essence of their brand, if they're missing the client experience, if the products suck or their service is terrible, and the list could go on and on and on, well, then their business will fail even with the best brand in the world, because it's not just about the logo. It's not just about the website. It's about the promise you make to your clients. It's every aspect of what you do. It's how you answer the phone. It's how you respond to email, how you show up in person at events, how you represent yourself on social media, and obviously the quality of what it is you offer. 
and that you're not just offering a commodity, that there's actually more to what you do than just that thing. Because people don't buy what you do. Part of your brand is actually identifying what's your secret sauce? What's that special thing that you do in the way you deliver it, how you package up your offering? There's got to be something unique to separate you from your competition. So you are the only choice for your audience. And that's what's missing often in people's brand. They think, I just need a pretty logo and website. And, and it goes so much deeper than that. I want to point out for our listeners uh, that obviously when we talk about, you know, branding is something that is much broader than our sector. And for charities, this is for your fundraising, for finding clients. Like we're still in business, if you will. It's just nonprofit business. I love that analogy of the cake because the other thing that goes into a cake is there is an order. You can't do things in reverse, right? You can't look at the icing and then add the other ingredients. You have to start with the basic ingredients and the right chemistry, and then you bake it, and then you shape it, and then finally at the end, you can decorate it. And I think from my experience working with you, that process is critical when it comes to branding. So can you talk a little bit about those ingredients and what goes into the branding process? What are the raw pieces? Yeah, definitely. So I always start with the foundation. And that is something that is in the book uh, that I've just written called Brand Chemistry that you're featured in, uh, I might add. The process is really about getting the clarity and confidence around who do you really want to work with right up to the essence of your brand. So I start kind of broad and I'm, I'm making sort of a triangular shape with my hands. Not that anybody can see that because this is audio, not video. And so you start broad, you look at, we look at your audience and I have a different way that I look at it than creating client personas. I really look at what are your clients value and what are their challenges and how do you help them and really getting clear on the common thread that links all of those people so that you can find the language that will deeply connect with the people that you want to work with. Then we look at your competition. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? And what could you do better or different than them? Looking at your competition is not about saying, I want to copy them or emulate them or steal something, God forbid, like, please don't steal something from your competitors. But it's about looking at them and going, oh, okay, that's what they're doing. And this is what we're doing. And it's similar, but yet this is how we're different. And it helps you actually define even more what makes you different. I've also found it's helpful in the design phase because one of our clients, we did a, you know, looked at all of her competitors and all of them used the color turquoise and they all used a sans serif font. Now, that's a whole, I could talk about typography in a whole other podcast, but I've got some details about different types of typefaces on my website if anybody wants to know more about that. But the reality is we could differentiate them visually just by using a completely different style of font and color palette beyond even the messaging and anything else. That was one way we could clearly differentiate them. So it helps you just get a picture of 
What's their messaging? What do they promise? How do they work? What's their process? And then help you see how can I stand out so I'm not lost in the sea of sameness that all of these other businesses are in. Then we look at why you started this business. What's the impact and the contribution you want to make? You want to fundraise. You want to do good. You want to impact people's lives. That message might have gotten misconstrued over the over the years. It might have gotten diluted. It might have changed. Really going back and defining, like, why do we exist? Who do we want to help? What's the impact we want to make? We also look at features and benefits. So most companies focus on their features. That's the list of like what they do. We fundraise for this. We do that. You know, we have these events, whatever those things are, but they don't focus on the benefits to the people they serve or the donors potentially. So think of it this way. Most people are selling the plane, not the destination. You want to sell the destination, right? You want to think about sitting on a beach on a belly bed with a mojito in your hand. If you can visualize what is that experience for your customers or your clients or the people, your, your donors or the people you serve, what's the benefit to them? And if you can reframe how you talk about what you do from the perspective of your clients then you're already different from 95% of the other businesses out there because they focus on the thing they do, the feature, right? You don't look, you don't buy an iPhone because of the list of features. You buy it because of the things you can do with it and how it looks and how it functions. You can find the list of features on an iPhone or a Mac computer, or whatever on their website. But the reality is that doesn't mean as much to me as I can work faster. I can use FaceTime and see my family when I'm traveling. Like all of those things, those are all benefits. And that's why Apple does so well is because they are selling the experience and what their devices allow you to do with them. They're not actually selling the technology inside an Apple phone or computer is essentially the same as any other computer out there, but it's the interface and how they sell it to you. That's amazing. We talk about with creating the narrative of the donor as the hero and the change that they're able to implement through supporting your organization. And I really think that is the benefit that you're describing. That is, it's not just about why you should give, but it's what's the benefit of giving? How do you feel? What impact are you having? How does this reaffirm how you as a donor see yourself in the world? I think that understanding the benefits in that way, especially for your donors, is really valuable. I want to ask a little bit around the audience because there is a fundamental tension in the charitable sector or the nonprofit sector that I haven't seen in the for-profit sector. And to me, that is where we have two audiences. I, as a business owner, I can say, I know that I've heard enough people tell me that it's really important to have a lot of clarity on who your audience is and you can't be everything to everyone. And if you try to do that, you'll be nothing to no one. Totally get that. That works. But in the charitable space, I find that we're always talking to donors and or supporters and then potential clients as well. So when we do a website and we're looking at what we want the website navigation to be, it just becomes super complicated because sometimes... Now, it's not that those core messages are not the same, but it just feels like you're constantly holding these two 
often very different audiences in balance. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I've worked with some nonprofits where they have the donors and they have the people they serve and also tutoring companies where they have to attract the parents who are paying, but they also want a brand that makes the kids feel like they actually want to be there. I've worked with that. And some people do have two somewhat distinct, you know, sets of clients within their business frame. And you need to have your overarching brand. What is the essence of this brand? What is the position and the personality of this brand? And and that's sort of what follows the benefits that I was just talking about. When you have a clearly defined personality to your brand and a clearly defined brand position in essence, those things should cover all of your audiences But there may be some need to tweak some of the languaging for those different audiences. But it shouldn't be dramatically different. Like you shouldn't be in one tone with one group and a totally different tone with another. It's more about the messaging specifically for those audiences. But it should be seamless in terms of how it looks and feels and sounds so that there doesn't feel like it's it's sort of dual personality, right? You don't want to feel like people go to your website and they feel like there's multiple personalities going on. No, there's no faster way to lose donors and clients in if people sense you're inauthentic. Authenticity is, it feels like a very big buzzword right now. And I find that in my clients' businesses, when you're more authentic in the way that you write and the way in your photography and the way you approach people, then you just have a better way to connect with the right people, right? You connect heart to heart, right? You're not trying to connect brain to brain and on an, you know, an intellectual standpoint, you want to capture people's hearts, especially in the charity and nonprofit sector, because they're being pulled in so many directions. So how do you get them to give up their hard-earned dollars for your cause? And that's not going to be a brain-to-brain thing. That's a heart-to-heart thing. I just want to reiterate that. And I'm sure we've said this before on the podcast because you just nailed it. It is heart-to-heart. And we see so many organizations try and be more corporate. And sometimes they'll have advisors or board members from the corporate sector who think that the charity should present in that way. Or we have people who feel like it should come across as really professional and then they want to use a lot of jargon or whatever it is. There seems to be this formalization of the way charities communicate and it doesn't work quite frankly. And I think the heart to heart really is what people are looking for when they engage with organizations. Again, whether they're clients or donors or your community, they want to feel embraced by your organization. And that's generally not a formal thing. I think that point is so important for people to hear. And I think that's In many businesses, like big corporate, you know, it it may be different, although I think there's always a way to make any approach friendlier. People want to work with people they know, like, and trust. They don't want that anonymous face behind the screen, like the Wizard of Oz. Like they want to see and, and speak with the people that they are communicating with. And 
I even found like years ago, I thought, you know, I really need to look super professional. Like I needed to have a very polished way that I wrote. And I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago that was very authentic. It was very much sort of, this is something I experienced this year. and, And I was sort of, you know, just some challenges with my own business and some learnings that I got from it. I didn't write while it write about it while I was in the middle of it. But at the end of the year, I kind of recapped what I had experienced and what I had learned and where had I'd gone from there. And it was very much from the heart. And I got more comments and more engagement on that post than I had on probably all of my previous ones combined. And I realized, oh, that's so interesting. What was it about that? And I realized I just wrote like me. You know, obviously I went through it to make sure it was, it sounded good. It was, you know, I try to make sure there's no spelling mistakes and grammatical mistakes. You know, every once in a while, something will slip through, but it just felt more real. And I was actually sharing more about my journey as an entrepreneur, not just about what we do. It gave people a bit of that behind the scenes insights into me, into my business, into the learnings, because I wanted to share it to help other small business owners learn from what I had experienced And I think a lot of businesses are missing that. They're hiding. And it's not like you want to show your hot mess when you're in the midst of some crisis. But the more you share about who you really are as an organization and the heart behind it, the more you will connect with the people. Again, that heart to heart will be much more of an open channel because they feel like you're real, not just trying to put up a face like everybody else. That's easier when you are one person running an organization or company. Uh, And I want to go into the next part of your book, which is it's fine when you can write your own voice, but when you have to have more of an organizational voice, let's talk about what the process of finding that voice looks and feels like. What's personality, the position, the essence? How does that come together to give you the structure to for other people to be able to use that voice? The personality to me is really key for many reasons. I mean, all of these are important, but to me, the personality indicates the tone of language that you use, how you speak, whether it's in writing or, you know, on a podcast or in a blog post, how you communicate with people. It also indicates what's the look and feel, what colors we use, the brand personality and color psychology to determine color palettes for our clients and how we determine what kinds of fonts, what style, you know, a client who has a brand personality that's fun and intuitive and quirky and so on is going to look very different from somebody who's resourceful and studious and powerful something as an example. When you think of those different word groupings I just mentioned, you can probably already conjure up a completely different look and feel and tone and sound between those groupings. And that's what the brand personality does. It helps anybody working inside an organization know this is the tone. If our brand is a person, these words give that person a personality. How would you want somebody from the outside to be able to describe your brand as a person? So knowing those words, in theory, anybody could write for you knowing that that's the tone of the personality. That can take some finessing. Like you don't necessarily want anybody and everybody writing for your business, but it also helps employees inside an organization go, okay, this is the tone. 
when we respond to emails, we should always sign off with a salutation. You can come up with your own salutation, but it needs to fit sort of within this parameter of our tone. You know, is it cheers? Is it have a great weekend? Exclamation mark. Do we use emojis in our emails? When you understand the personality, you'll have a better sense of, do we use emojis? Do we use a lot of exclamation marks? How do we, do we say, hey, do we say hi? Do we say hello? Good morning. What kinds of greetings and kind of pleasantries do we use when we're communicating with our clients? So that personality piece can be helpful when it comes to email communication, blogging, website, in-person events. Stop the podcast just for a second. I just wanted to take a second to remind our listeners uh, who may not know that this uh, podcast is brought to you by The Good Partnership and Charity Village. So a lot of people don't know that both of our organizations are deeply committed to making sure that there are tons of great resources available to small nonprofits in our sector. And so I want you to take a minute to go and access some of those great free resources. For The Good Partnership, you can visit thegoodpartnership.com and specifically on our homepage or visit thegoodpartnership.com slash guide, you can download a free resource that outlines all different kinds of fundraising strategies you might want to consider for your organization. And for charityvillage.com, there's so many webinars and of course the podcast, um, articles, the list is endless. And of course you can post jobs there, volunteer positions, uh, posting is free. So make sure that you are checking out both websites to deepen your learning and continue to access great free stuff. Great tips, Cindy. Now on the podcast. Then when we get into the brand position in essence, the essence is the heart and soul of the brand. That is what you stand for. It's how you want to be known and remembered. And the brand position to me is that very quick elevator pitch. You're at an event and somebody says, so, you know, what do you do? And you say, you know, I own a company or I work for charity or nonprofit, whatever. You want to actually start with your brand position. You want it to be, it's got to be intriguing. It's got to be unique. It doesn't even have to say what you do or who you serve. It's got to strike at the heart and soul. You're not just saying, oh, I work for a nonprofit organization or I work, you know, I started, I have a charity that I run. People are going to go, oh, okay. And they may not ask more questions. You want to get people excited about what you do so that they actually start to ask you more questions. You don't want people to hear you're a nonprofit or a charity and think, oh God, they're going to start asking me for my money. Because that could be exactly what they're going to start thinking when they hear those words. So that is not even how I would start a conversation describing what I do. It's about, again, creating that deeper connection so that you actually create curiosity in your audience and the people you're meeting. We always provide a document at the end of our brand camp process, whether we work with people one-on-one or through my online program. And I actually have some dates coming up for some two-day in-person workshops for people to do that with me together in Toronto in a very intimate setting. Everybody gets a document that's sort of two to four-ish pages, depending on your organization, that actually outlines 
all of the key elements of the brand foundation so that anybody working in the organization has a copy of that document just to go back and refresh their memory on, okay, how should I speak about this? What's the language I should be using? It helps as a reminder. And then as you know, when we work with our clients on the design side, bringing that brand to life visually, everybody gets brand guidelines to help them know what is the visual, you know, what colors can we use? What are our colors? Uh, what, what can and can't we do with our logo? What fonts can we use? Because consistency is also a huge part of a brand. And it can take six to eight touch points before somebody will actually engage with you. And if you're inconsistent with your colors and your fonts and the tone of your messaging, that really affects how recognizable you are. I love... So I feel like now we're at the icing and uh, decorating stage, right? Which yes. is so great. <laughs> yeah. And I think that consistency piece is actually one of the biggest challenges we see a lot of smaller organizations face. Or, I mean, we walk into so many organizations that have no brand guidelines. They might not even have like a font, a preferred font or colors beyond what's sort of in their logo. Um And what ends up happening then is everything looks different and it's a bit of a mishmash and it looks pieced together. Like it's not coherent for any of their audiences. And it's very difficult when you're trying to create, even, you know, if you're trying to create an annual report for your organization and you have no structure to your brand, uh, it's a bigger job. It's more work. And so I think that this is something that is so critical. As we said earlier, you have to do all the work leading up to it. So once we get there, as you said, we, you have these pieces and you pull them together. That is your brand Bible. And I want to point out that our brand, our brand guidelines include all the other pieces, like it includes our difference. It includes our why it includes the benefits. So those don't just disappear uh, when you're introducing someone to the organization and you're sharing your, your guidelines. Um, You still have those elements there. They're not, you don't want to forget about them. Exactly. Because a lot of people might just start to focus on the visuals and not really think again about that. What, what it take, what it took to get to the visuals and I was, it's funny you mentioned the pieces, piecing things together, because just recently I was speaking with somebody and I love analogies. So I, I actually on the phone came up with this new analogy. I was like, that's really good. I have to use that. Most people are building, you know, if you think about your, your brand as a puzzle, they're putting, they're building pieces and putting them together without knowing what the picture looks like. They're just like, they've got the logo, they've got their website, they've got some, oh, we need to write a, create a brochure. Oh, we're throwing an event. We, we need a brand for that. We need to, but they don't actually have the big picture. So what that foundation does is it gives you the picture. Then you start pulling out the puzzle pieces from that big picture. You know, then it's much clearer to go, okay, I know what, this needs to say or what this needs to look like instead of kind of piecing it together piecemeal as they go along. And it's never too late. People think, Oh, well, we've gotten this far with it. And sometimes it can get you to a certain place in your business. And then you realize, you know what, 
now it's time to actually step back and look at what are we all about and what should this brand look and sound like in order to better connect and feel aligned. Alignment is a big word I've been using lately because there seems to be a lot of misalignment between the businesses we connect with and their audience. So either their messaging is not connecting with the right people or what they're trying to sell is not right for the audience they're trying to sell it to. So, and sometimes the people in the organization actually don't feel connected or aligned with the business itself. So there's a lot of variables. And if you or your employees, if you've got somebody who is not a right fit for your team, developing this foundation for your brand can actually help them realize they actually, this isn't the right fit for them. Or other people might go, hey, I really want to work for this organization. And a lot of that comes from the brand. I've done some work for clients where some of the team members didn't love the new brand. They're like, meh, I don't really love this. It doesn't resonate with me. But the reality is that's actually a good thing because that means that that person probably isn't the right person for your organization. And at the same time, the same company had people coming to them saying, I love what you're doing. I really want to work for you. That's branding. That is the power of it for good, good and bad, right? If you don't have it, you, you may attract the wrong employees and the wrong clients or just not enough of them. But a powerful brand can attract the right clients and the right employees. Amazing. I feel like that's such a perfect sentiment to end off on. Um, Can you tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and you have some awesome resources and programs to help uh, people go through this branding process? Uh, So tell us where we can find that. Sure. There's, there's quite a few places. So you can check out our website, labcreative.ca. I've got a great resource. So that's at labcreative.ca forward slash guide. You just put in your name and your email address and that will get sent off to you. And it really just highlights all of the elements I spoke about as well as all of the essential elements you need from a visual brand perspective. So it takes into account both the both of those things. You can also check out my book, Brand Chemistry, which is at brandchemistrybook.com. You can also find it on Amazon as well. And follow us on social media. Lab Creative Inc. is our handle pretty much across all the platforms. Instagram is where we spend most time and you can find me personally on LinkedIn. Amazing. Thank you for joining us. That was a very helpful conversation. My pleasure. And for all of the listeners, of course, this is something we hear about all the time from organizations. It definitely feels like a big pain point in your sector and also something that comes up time and time again um, at the board table, in fundraising. Uh, and what I love about my personally, this is my personal plug for uh, some of those resources Laura talked about is, you know, you can buy a book. It's step-by-step. Step. It's not very expensive, um, which we love when it comes to uh, recommending things for our sector because you're a small organization and you don't have a lot of resources. So, um there's free stuff. There's inexpensive. Laura walks you through, but do not, do not hire a designer to redesign your logo without going through a process like this. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, I couldn't have said that better myself. Thank so you. So we'll leave it on that. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.